are taking over the screen and they're presenting me the image of a beautiful non-binary person. I can't handle it. What's real? What's not? Oh, hi, that's Emily. Oh, oh how are you? Oh, hi, Missy. Oh, hi. I'm so glad that the Telosians are forcing us to interact in this way right now. I am too. Whenever Forced interaction is my favorite interaction. Yep. Just two people smushed together for the most uncomfortable reasons. And what more uncomfortable reason, although let's be real, pretty damn comfortable, than to talk about star trek and all the goings on behind the scenes and in front of the scenes although this one we're not going to talk i don't think there's probably too much to talk about in terms of a lot of behind the scenes because a lot of this was just from the original episode oh girl oh girl oh girl oh, no girl. i know we'll have oh, stuff girl. to talk about do you all doubt to talk me? about do no, you no, no. doubt i just meant here's what i meant <laughs> the menagerie we'll have a lot to talk about the wrapping of mr spock's court trial yes well, very somewhat. much less within it. Oh, okay. perhaps. Oh, perhaps. Will we get two, two yes votes and a boop vote from the audience on this one? I wonder that we're guilty of being entertaining. We'll have to see. Hell yes. I'm so, so excited. Yes, we are doing The Menagerie Part Two. Uh, this one directed by robert butler uh he's credited as the director of this episode but he was only responsible for the original pilot um once again he directed the cage but it was uh mark daniels who directed all of the rest of the stuff that we see with mr spock and i say mr spock as if that's supposed to give us an idea of which one we're watching yeah right when he's the only consistent character between well framing pike is consistent but they're different actors yes yes and very uh uh different appearance but yes we are going into part two of the only two-parter of all of star trek oh really i didn't know that and as you'll notice missy so one of the delightful things about doing this podcast with missy is that we watch it at different times and so oftentimes I get Missy's live messages as she's watching the episode. And I love that. And you notice you're like, oh, I'm getting this Futurama reference. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll notice that whether or not this counts as one or two episodes or whether the cage uh, counts as an episode itself. Uh, yeah, that's right. It comes up in Futurama. One of the greatest things Oh, that that I just, I loved about Futurama was seeing it and all, seeing all the Star Trek references, so many of them, so small, and being mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I've never seen a piece of media 
that loves Star Trek the way that I love Star Trek. I am but a teenager. I have been exposed to such few things. And so that made me real excited. And so I absolutely fucking love watching you do the same in reverse Mm -hmm. of like, oh, my God. Well, and we established in the first part, oh, the blinking, you know, boop, yes, no, that device was part of it. And they're on the trial. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got that part. What I didn't know or connect, like, I I should have connected the first time because I was thinking about that same episode. It's the forbidden broadcast. It's the forbidden signal. They Mm -hmm. went to the forbidden planet. Like, that's, and they have to go return there. And it's because he can give them illusion bodies. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I I didn't even, do you know, this is how thick as a brick I am. I was watching the episode. I just said out loud, part I didn't connect, that the future and Futurama gave them their bodies. Uh, Missy, you just illuminated that for me as well. So... Oh, really? Yeah. Straight up, this I'm sitting so here thinking that, like, I'm like, I caught all the references. And then I'm like, oh, the main antagonist, it's actually a triple reference. So I'm really excited for you to see the other episodes so that character references. Okay. Um, oh. Somewhat in characterization, um, as well as in that specific way of they're able to give them the illusion of bodies. Yeah. That's, it's just, yeah, the clearly uh, they loved it but also just how much of that episode is taken from these two parts yes like just a lot of the wraparound of it the only part that i'm curious about is uh if they ever bring up something about a religious holy wars and if like you know that ever comes up because that's that's i think that's just a joke but in futurama the reason they had to banish the recordings is because of the great trek wars (laughs) (laughs) there are definitely like holy wars I'm sure that I'm it's not coming off the top of my head, but I am sure that there are planets that we go to in TOS where this sort of mm-hmm. things happen. Um, there are definitely holy wars that are more explicitly uh, followed in later Star Treks like okay. DS9, uh, etc. Um, but I am not sure if that is a direct reference, but I do fucking love it. But yeah, they go to the Forbidden Planet. Um, so that's our recap. Just watch Futurama and be like, oh, yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's how we open. That's our whole teaser. Our whole teaser is a previously on, told via the captain's yes. log. That's right. Spock stole the ship and the now infirm Captain Pike. Uh, and we're going towards the Forbidden Planet. And so Commodore Mendez was like, hey, we need a trial. And so Spock's been on trial. But Mendez asks the special question, why? Which means that Spock can put whatever he wants on the screen, including broadcasts from Talos. I mean, Talos. I mean, Talos. Not uh, not the unaired cage. <laughs> and also, previously on Red Starts, we discussed all that. Yes, all of those things. So mm-hmm. you can go back if you want, or you could just be like, wow, I'm so enlightened by that uh, incredible just recap. It was so succinct, but so full. If you're a person who only likes part two of the Menagerie, this specifically is going to be your episode. Yes, then. yes, it is. It is. Space! The Final Frontier. Act one, we're opening in our court hearing. Mendez reiterates once again uh, what we ended with the last episode with, which we can't watch this. We can't watch this. This is illegal. This is the only illegal thing 
Like, this is the only death penalty thing that the Federation still has is that we cannot be watching things from the Forbidden Planet. And that's all you're showing us, Mr. Spock. Um, but Spock's all, we have no choice. The Telosians are in control now. We're all watching a movie, okay? Like, they control the horizontal and the vertical too. They do. Uh, so Spock gives us a little previously on to the court. And it's just like, so uh, as you last saw, uh, Pike was knocked out uh, and put in back in his cell. And we zoom on in to our show within a show. That's right. We're back 13 years ago. Captain Pike awakens inside of his transparent underground cell uh, when four Telosians come out of their little elevator and approach. I just love that they have an elevator. There's like a couple of scenes where people just pile in and out of this elevator. (laughs) Every time it tickled me. I don't know why. Um, So Pike is, is trying to, so Pike is, is still trying to explain who he is at this point. He's like, I'm Pike. I'm Captain Pike of the Federation. Uh, And, they just sort of barely turn to each other, but we get to see the veins on their big bulbous heads, yeah. like, you know, going up and down. And that was actually Bob Justman with a little air pump, uh, but underneath the camera making that happen. So, I was going to yeah. ask you how that happened. So I'm glad we got to it right away because it's a pretty gross effect. Like yeah. it's, it, it really looks like they're their butt brains are, are pulsating. And I'm not trying to say that the wrong way, but the back yeah. of their heads look like just prosthetic little butts. Oh, absolutely. And it's great. And it's just the vein part that's pulsing. Like every mm-hmm. single alien design that you have seen, like the first thing that has come to your head, if you've never seen this, it's what this is because everything has taken this because it's so yeah. iconic. Um, So they uh, are talking to each other telepathically and they're just like, hmm. They're not a very smart species, yes. Uh, you'll see now the primitive fear threat reaction. He will now brag about his ship, and now he's going to throw himself against the transparency as a feat of physical prowess. Um, what's wonderful is that the voice speaking this to us, that we're perceiving telepathically, that's fucking Mendes's voice. It was that actor. Oh, not like the character but it was that actor who did that dubbing um they wanted the telosians to look but they wanted them to look uh alien and sort of throw people off uh and so they are all played by women uh and but then voiced by mendez because they're like ooh, androgyny that's weird and it's like i'm pretty sure that it's the buttheads but <laughs> pretty interesting um she said that the main the main keeper said that the the headpiece really hurt her ears <laughs> and oh, she no. had to be in it for like 13 hours it was like awful um but yeah so they're like mm. pike's all is there any way out of this cage like raw like let me out uh there's a way out of any cage. I'm going to find it. I'm going to beat all of you. I'm going to I'm going to be great and they're like, mm, "We will continue this experiment. How interesting for us." Like mm. just basically acting like they're he's can't hear them. They're not really talking to him at all. Um I'm reminded of the droid um master that speaks to R2D2. You're a feisty little one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
like this is basically that entire scene george lucas he knew what was up um so meanwhile the landing party has returned to the ship uh where pike's second in command number one majel barrett that's right of nurse chapel fame in the tos school series um as uh luxana troy in tng the next generation and as the spokesperson for Kaiser Permanente commercials, do you oh. have Kaiser Permanente commercials, Missy? You're not in California where I know that Kaiser is. And so I assumed that's why I was served this ad. You, I'm familiar with who they are. You're right. I probably don't have those specific ones, although I've heard maybe them attached to like a PBS junket or something at some point. Probably. Cause like, I feel like I hear the name said by women, but that just might be an NPR host that keeps saying it over and over to me. It could be, or it could be Majel Barrett. That's right. I clicked on a little interview with her talking about how, uh, f- when this episode came back from testing, everyone was like, a woman would never be in a leadership position. And that that was one of the reasons why NBC didn't buy it. Um, or wanted them to change something about it first. They're like, you'll have a Satan and you'll have a woman. Um, but yeah, I was like, I clicked on her fucking face to listen to her talk about that. And all of a sudden I hear her voice telling me about Kaiser Permanente. And I'm like, I don't recognize people's faces or voices. So it was, it, she does have a very identifiable voice, but I don't, that's not a thing I do. So I was surprised. I was as surprised as anyone that I was correct. Your your lack of facial knowledge is legendary <laughs> in in our community. So that part I knew. I didn't know about the voice part, and I'm the opposite. I'm the one that is constantly to the annoyance of my husband and any company I keep pointing out every time I recognize an actor's voice or face and every other project that they've been in that mm-hmm. that person might or might not know. I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things. Um... <laughs> but yeah, Majel Barrett, she's there. She's number one. She is in attendance as well as long as uh, as well as the new yeoman, uh, J.M. Colt is what they're called. This was from Pike being, I just can't get you, old woman being on the bridge. Oh, but not you, number one. Yeah. Um, so you see, you see even lines like that couldn't fool middle America into yeah. accepting. <laughs> or maybe all of America, honestly, at that point. Um. So, uh, having seen the alien who grabbed Pike, Spock offers his own theories. He's just like, all right, I bet that they are telepathic uh, and thus have brains three times the size as other beings. That that must be why they have these giant butt heads. Dr. Boyce uh, is like, look, if they have such big brains... Well, then they can probably create elaborate illusions as solid as this table to you or me. And he hits the table. It's great. They can swat our ship like a fly. Uh, And then one of the other random guys who, of course, just another random white guy at the table. um, (laughs) I'm like, are you an old white guy? You're the doctor. Are you Spock? You're Spock. You two, I'm getting you two mixed up. You're both too young. You're both too young. I don't know. And he's like, but we can blow up a continent with our phasers. So that's cool to know. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, like, okay, weapons of mass destruction, right? no big deal. <laughs> right? Again, we get these helmsmen who are just like, let's shoot them. 
it's like oh my god that's one of the that's the most realistic part of of it though oh yeah absolutely so back on talos uh pike's in his cell when all of a sudden a mirage begins to appear before him they are on a planet with a you know it's a it's a big castle setting there's these big gold domes like a beautiful matte painting of like a space background that's right they are on rigel seven i'm trying very hard to read roman numerals Rigel Seven. Vii. Uh, yeah. 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 Rigel Seven. Where they just were. That's right. That's why everyone was all beat up at the beginning of last episode on oh, the ship. I forgot about that ago. part of it. Okay. That's why Pike was like, "I'm tired of deciding who lives and who dies," uh, because they just went on this really tough mission where a bunch of people were killed. So he's back at this medieval style castle on rigel mm-hmm. seven on a convenient castle back lot convenient and he's like oh my god we're where i just was he basically shares this with us but except for you because he sees mina dressed in the gown of a princess she is like oh my gosh we must hide ourselves like very classic princess when a beastly giant uh, known as Kalar, a Kalar, emerges and advances towards them. He's also kind of medieval. He's a little Hercules style. Um, he, he looks like a human in a third of a minotaur outfit because they don't do a good job hiding yeah. the human face. But he's got like a horn and some like yeah. fur on it. And it was I was a bit confused if this was meant to be a human warrior yeah. or an actual creature. And I was like, eh, maybe somewhere in between. We're on a medieval planet. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Pike is like, this is only happening in my mind. And Vina's like, well, you will still die. Like, it, or it'll still suck. We have to play along. You will still feel everything. We back out. That's right. We zoom back out to our framing device, the court marshal, where current Spock explains to us that Delosians can create... Powers of hallucination so real that it is like this table. Bam, and he hits the table. No, he doesn't explain it exactly the same, but he just <laughs> confirms what he deduced. He mm-hmm. and the doctor deduced uh, 13 years previously. I guess I, for Kirk? Well, if, for the Kirk and for audiences who yeah. maybe missed the recap and the yeah. last episode, we get, you know. These shows, you got to say it, say it again, and say it a third time for all those people tuning in midway through from whatever 30 hour, you know, 30 minutes, 30 hour, 30 minute sitcom was going on before. Uh, At this point, I I absolutely thought the woman is an illusion. So I'm just like, okay, I'm ready Mm -hmm. for uh, this reveal to happen at some point Mm -hmm. and she's going to go away. That's just where I'm setting this up. Because we haven't seen her. We we saw her at the beginning. She disappeared. And now we're seeing her again for the first time. As a princess. Mm-hmm. Under duress. Um, so Spike Pike is running around. He's like, what's going on? Like, why am I in this dream? He's doing the classic Star Trek captain thing to do. Which is talk out loud. Rubber duck your way out of any problem. Try and figure out what's going on. Preferably aloud. So he's just like, all right, why are they creating a dream 
if they're putting Vina here. Like, I've never seen you before, Vina. Yeah. Like, all of this other stuff is happening exactly the way it was. But I don't know you. But then, the Kalar attacks! He grapples <sighs> with him and hits him with rocks. Uh, he pushes Pike to the ground and then chases Vina up the steps of the castle. Pike hurls a sword at him, hits him in, like, the hip. And then the Kalar falls. Pike gets a, a spearhead up. And fucking spears the shit out of that monster. Is this a spear I see before me? The handle to my hand. Here, let me get it in your back, bitch. Boom! <laughs> it's a dagger of somebody's mind. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so the illusion ends and Pike and Vina are back in the cell. Vina is just ecstatic. She hugs Pike. And then kind of kind of steps off of him awkwardly because they see that the keepers are watching. Um, she is dressed in the same kind of clothes that they are. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's where I was kind of like, okay, illusion. Yeah, mm-hmm. why would she be dressed in that? But I also was thinking when she didn't disappear with the rest of it, I'm like, is this some sort of reverse illusion where maybe she's not an illusion? And I'm like... Oh no, this is going to be the whole episode, isn't it? I'm not. Oh, fine. That's right. I shouldn't have expected <laughs> answers from this, anyways. I'm just bouncing around between dreams and illusions. This is really, it's like watching a David Lynch film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is Mulholland Drive, but for sci fi nerds. <laughs> oh, that's what Missy hasn't seen. It's on my list, but uh, it's a good I one. look forward to that one. <laughs> I will make sure to keep the menagerie in mind when I watch it. Yes, do. I'm sure it will be extremely illuminating. (laughs) So, uh, the transmission pauses. And Spock reveals, he's like, so the Telosians are transmitting these images directly to the ship's computers. And they must have paused the broadcast because Captain Pike is growing fatigued. And they look over and like poor Pike, he has his little head down um, in his little chair. <laughs> he just needed a little nappy poo. He just needed a little nappy poo. And Kirk is like, so they care about Pike. They care about his well-being. Like that's interesting that they're like, we're not going to keep this man awake. Commodore Mendez is like, I am impatient. I don't care. We need to get through this. But Spock is like, there's no point. They're in the ones in control. They're the ones in control. And, and Pike's taking a nap. So mm. uh, there's no point. And so they take a, a brief recess and then they come back. That's right. We're setting up commercial breaks now. Oh, Absolutely. I, anytime that we like zoomed out and we were back in the session, <laughs> I pretty much assumed a commercial break was going to be coming. Pretty much. Um, so now we're back in. We're viewing the broadcast. We've heard about Coca-Cola. Pike is like Davina. And he's like, why are you here? And she's like, to please you. Oh, wonderful. See, he, like most good captains, cannot just take that. Um, and that is something that I like about Star Trek is that when I was a young person, as, as retrograde as it may be, the mere act of seeing a man who's like, but this isn't about sex. This is about science. Yeah. Um, was meaningful to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
to please you. And he's like, are you real? And she's like, yes. And he's like, you must be real. You're dressed like the keepers and I've never seen you before. And Vina's like, well, why don't you tell me about your dreams, baby? Why don't instead of like anything else you're doing, why don't you just tell me about your dreams? And Pike's like, I wonder if the keepers can also feel what we feel. Why else would they be doing this to us? Uh, She's like, baby, why are you worried about that? I I can become any lady you want. I am mystique. I am (laughs) here. I am about it. Um, Pike is like, well, why don't you tell me if they have any vulnerability that I can exploit? Why don't you tell me more about the Tolosians? Um, is there any way that I can hide my mind? And she pauses. She like doesn't yeah. have like a comeback. Like, oh, but baby, my pussy can be any pussy. And uh, that, ooh, uh, <laughs> and that is the moment when he's like, "Aha! I caught you. You're mm-hmm. to actually think, which means that the answer is yes." Something that so many different things mm-hmm. pull out in fiction, but every once in a while, I'm like, "No, sometimes you actually do just have to think for a second, mm-hmm. or you just get like nervous." Like yep. sometimes people are like, "Oh, you don't answer." I'm like, "No, I do. I just like my brain stopped for a split second." She's like, "Sorry, I was trying to seduce you, and I got like, you know." <laughs> Usually, that's what's happening with me. So. He's like, so there is a way? And Vina's like, you're a fool. He's like, well, fine. If you're not real, then why are we talking? Uh, Very. So we're now back with the rest of the Enterprise crew. And they are back on that planet surface. This time with a huge ass laser cannon. Number one is there. Uh, They concentrate all their firepower on the side of a cliff. But it's just having no effect. And they keep having to turn it off before it overheats. Yeah. And they're just like, nothing is happening. And the doctor is like, we cannot be sure of anything that we are seeing or feeling right now. Such is the power of this illusion. We could have blown Mm -hmm. like that mountainside to bits and they're just telling us that it's still blown to bits. Like we don't know. Yeah. All those bits all together. Um, So they're screwed back in the cell. Vina is like, well, Maybe if we, like, play a game of 20 questions, I can answer some questions for you. Like, I'm bored. I haven't talked to any other humans for we don't know how long. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, like, 20 questions. Um, So, like, they'll try and trick you is something he learns, that they can't make you do anything you don't want to. They can only trick you. Yeah, that was interesting because we've seen, like, powers of people being able to control other yeah. people within this so there's mm-hmm. the fact that it was illusionary powers but that it wasn't something overriding their free will yeah it was a really interesting aspect of it mm-hmm. and their power set and they can punish you so they can punish you and make you suffer but they can't force you to do something or force you to want anything um that apparently they lived up on the surface thousands of centuries ago but life is only starting to come back. Um, but because they were underground, they've been working on their mental powers. And here we get the thesis statement of the episode. I think. Uh, in the future, as we watch this, I will try and find the thesis statement of the episode. Because they all have them. They do. I'm excited. We've, we have found some of them throughout. Oh, yeah. but I'm ready for you to lay this one on me. Okay. They found it's a trap, like a narcotic, 
Because when dreams become more important than reality, you give up travel, building, creating. You even forget how to repair the machines left behind by your ancestors. You just sit, living, and reliving other lives left behind in the thought record. Nostalgia is a serious drug. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And marijuana affects the memory. Yo. <laughs> um so yeah, that's that's the thesis. That's sort of what Roddenberry was going with with the cage originally, of course. There are different things that happen in this episode that muddy that conclusion. Um mm-hmm. but yeah. That's the thesis statement. Don't just sit watching and rewatching shit or else you'll forget how to repair the machines of your ancestors. And then they became the first show to do a rerun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ironically. Ironically. Um, also, that there are creatures there that were brought there long ago. That that's also who they're reliving and living within the memories of. Meaning that there must have been more than one of each kind. Ooh, Noah, Adam and mm-hmm. Eve. Pike is putting this together. Vina's like, this could be good. We could feel like Adam and Eve, which like Ronberry has an obsession with this idea. We have seen the Adam and Eve thing like at least three or four times thus far, I swear. He is just obsessed with getting two people together and it feeling so like. We just got Virginial? I don't even know. Like what it's it's, it's just like we just does have he have to a with free abandon? We must does he, have a, does he have a survivalist fetish or something? Right? Or is or is it just like beyond the constraints of society? I don't I don't right? know if I can psychoanalyze it quite yet, but I it, that is interesting that it's such a recurring theme. Like this edenic thing. Um so suddenly, perhaps because the Telosians too were tired of Ron Barry's Adam and Eve nonsense, um, Vina cries out in pain and disappears. And now I'm back to an illusion. I was like, oh, yep, of course. I got suckered in. Should have guessed. Should have guessed. She's being punished by the Telosians. The transmission briefly pauses uh, and Mendez is like, so you were captured as breeding stock? Uh, to Pike, because once again, Adam and Eve, We but we need Mendez to confirm it. A zoo animal? And Spock is like, no, more than that. A menagerie. <laughs> menagerie a trois. Menagerie a trois. A quadra. How many absolutions do we see? Like four of them? <laughs> the transmission resumes. So a Telosian magistrate uh, is what this main person is called. Comes down to the cell and is like, "Mm, here's a nutrient drink that we have for you. If you don't like how it tastes or smells or looks, we'll change that for you. Just let us know. You know, like a fucking hotel-like person, like at the end, just like, hi, continental breakfast is at three. Like... You can have waffles or cereal or pancakes. Oh, we also have a full uh, breakfast menu. You can order to your room. You can do whatever you want. Whatever you want. Just put this little card outside if you don't want us to claim your stock. Um, <laughs> but pie- also, it's these pellets, and you just have to take the pellet, and then you'll just think that you had it. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so 
Pike is all like, oh, is the keeper actually communicating with the animal? And she's actually talking with their mouth. Like the, yeah. the keeper is talking with their mouth, not with just their head. <clears throat> so it, I, that made me think that perhaps not all of the beings can perceive the keeper's thoughts when they're not oh, interesting. using their mouths and that humans just happen to be able to um, perhaps because they're at a certain level of sapient ability. Uh, so, or did she create the illusion? Her mouth was moving. Oh, she's like, I expect you can to consume it. And if you don't, I will punish you. Um, but Pike is like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat it. So the Talosian creates an illusion that he is burning to death in hell. There's some kind of acid on the ground. Yeah. And Missy, was- I feel like, was this the moment that you sent me a thing about Talosians in hell? Yes, I did. I said, <laughs> I was saying, hell is a fable from your childhood. Talosians, woke Talosians to play <laughs> war against God. <laughs> Alex Jones has entered the chat. <laughs> it just, I absolutely loved it that they called it a fable from your childhood. I was like, get real to Logians. Okay. Right. Um, Did once, religion go out the window in the future? Like, is that not a thing? In I this mean, po- maybe no as a fable. Maybe yeah, as a story, like, did, oh, people I, used to believe this terrible thing. And that's like still the most terrible thing he can think of. Yeah, well, it's like, and you assume that once they meet other aliens and stuff, they have to go, oh, oh, okay. So it wasn't just like uh, all that skyping stuff, like there are other planets. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, presumably. Uh, it doesn't appear as though humans. I can't recall that much of an exploration into yeah. human religions. All humans are atheists and some are Zoastrians still. Yo. <laughs> Um, so after, after this image ends, you know, he takes the drink, but he's like, why didn't you just make me think I was hungry? Why didn't you just plant irresistible hunger into me? Uh, clearly you have limits. So he drinks the thing and then he thinks, and he lunges at the glass and the zookeeper jumps back. Yeah. Even though there's a wall there. And Pike is like, wait a minute, you couldn't, you didn't know I was about to do that. You're startled. You couldn't read my mind just then. All I was thinking about was getting my fucking hands around your throat. You stupid cunt. I hate you. You have trapped me here. Um, and the Talosian is just like, hmm. Pike's like, hmm. You can perceive. You can't read through prim- primal emotions such as rage and hate. This is what I'm skipping over primal emotions primitive primal rage they they basically just evolved themselves to you know their higher plane of conscious which mm-hmm. anger and all of those things which which also would mean is is horniness something they've gotten right? over as well like do they look really old have they had one of them looks young yeah do they still breed or is it more of like a clinical thing where they're like yes we must exchange 
fluids and oh, they have test tube technology, but they've forgotten the technology fast. It's right. too deep. We've gotten too deep. Too we can't deep. get into the sex lives of every single Star Trek alien. We've gone We'd too be here deep. For hours. We're on the Roddenberry zone. We're talking about sex life of aliens. That's for um. red shards after <laughs> hours. <laughs> um. So at this point, the Telosian is like, look, that woman, Vina, she is real. There was a ship, a human ship crashed onto our planet, and we found humans interesting. We were able to, you know, see your information. We found Vina. We find you interesting, and we want our specimens to be happy in their new life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Pike is like, well, then why are you punishing her and not me? She's like, I'm the one who isn't going along with your program. She is. But the delusion is pleased. He's like, first protectiveness and now sympathy. Good, good. My, My experiment is moving exactly as predicted. She's, it's just like, thirsting after these emotions and she's like oh that's sympathy that's not a feeling we've felt for a while Mm, mm, tasty they they basically are pleased they get they look visibly pleased every time that the humans have an emotional change like they really are satisfied by it that is that is true um everything starts to wobble and they're in a new mirage In this next one, Pike sees himself with Vina. They're having a picnic. They're on Earth. They're in their cowboy outfits. They're having a little picnic. His horse is there. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't even have any sugar for you. And then he realizes there's sugar in his pocket for the horse. He's like, damn, they think of everything. Uh, He's like, Vina, so you should tell me more about these people. Like, are you okay? One to what the fuck's going on and she's like kind of not playing along she's like oh honey don't you want some coffee (laughs) we're just on this little camping excursion um but finally you know she's like all right they can't read thoughts where it's really intense and really violent that Intense hate mentally blinds them. They can't read through primitive emotions. And it isn't possible to really use that. That she's tried to hold on to that for a long time. But over the course of years, they just keep at it. And she says she's like basically been there for years and they kept at it and they own her. And they read her thoughts and brought her her perfect man. She can't help but love him. And and Pike is going like, fuck him, I swear, motherfucker, I'm going to just keep my anger up going all the time. I can be pissed off all I want. Goddamn motherfucker. And she's like, I guess they're confused because they were able to read my mind and therefore bring me someone that I would love. And now they're confused that you're not acting the same way. They don't understand. Um... And that's that's an interestingly empathetic like response from her. She really mm-hmm. understands these creatures in a way that it seems like they don't themselves. She understands that she knows more about them than they think that she does or that they necessarily know of themselves. 
And I think this is when I fully flipped to believing she was human, because you're right. She had a perceptiveness about them, which, which I mean, it's the worst. They didn't know themselves. I'm like, so she really is observing them, because that doesn't seem like knowledge that the Telosians are passing on or would be trying to pass on to Pike in this situation, given what they're trying to do. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was really interesting that, and it made me wonder what illusions have they been giving her this whole time? We'll find out some later. But yeah, yeah, I was thought it was really interesting that now it's the two of them together. Like mm-hmm. they now have this bond at least that they're two of them stuck in bondage. Yes. Also, can you imagine an can you imagine an oh this is so hard. Can you imagine a imaginary menagerie mirage managed by a mirage? No, by a menagerie mirage manager. This is okay. The menagerie mirage manager. Yes. Can you imagine an imagine? Oh wow! Can My you husband's imagine really good at an imaginary, an imaginary mirage, mirage manager? An imaginary of your menage- menagerie <laughs> mirage manager. Oh, your menagerie mona- mirage managing- menagerie mirage manager. <laughs> Yeah, Menagerie Mirage. Menagerie Mirage. Can you imagine an imaginary Menagerie Mirage managed by an imaginary Menagerie Mirage manager? Yes! I had one stutter. That's more clear. That's one of my husband's favorite tongue twisters. And as we were talking about this, that's a real one. And it came, except for (gasps) the Mirage part, but it's can you imagine an imaginary Mirage managed by an imaginary Menagerie manager? Oh my goodness. Um, and my husband loves doing that one. So I was adding one more layer of difficulty ah! in there. But I'm like, this is actually perfect. It seriously describes the situation that, that we're so in right perfect. now. It is absolutely perfect. Um, I'm keeping all that in. I hope you yes. all enjoy my stumbling. Yes, I'm obsessed. Um, but basically at this point, they they confirm that they are attracted to each other. She's like, well, you're clearly not into me. And he's like, no, I. they read my mind too. I'm clearly attracted to you. I was since I first saw you in that camp. You're like a wild little animal, which I found gross. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was a little bit like, okay, tell us your fetish a little bit more there, Pike. Right? But to be fair, like it's mute it's mutually attraction. So like I don't know. It's cute. They zoom out and the Telosians are watching. And that's when something clicks for Vina. Vina goes, wait the best dreams for you wouldn't be things that have happened to you before. Think of the life of a captain. You always have to be so buttoned up and proper. Mm-hmm. You want a wild little animal, do you? Hmm. It's all about the things you can't do. She has been working for the Telosians, even through that conversation. She's trying to figure him out. A Telosian waves its arms and Pike is in this big exotically sort of uh uh lusciously uh decorated room yeah um it feels like italy to me for some reason like all the gold and the things but there was definitely like a middle eastern undertone to it as well he's in these purple robes with big red gems and like two weird dudes in the room and also I and I got vibes of Rome, so the Italy part yes. makes sense. And so, but you're right that it also there was definitely some Middle Eastern influence, specifically in our next appearance. 
That's right. There is a green animal woman. That's right. In the first episode, we talked about dealing in slaves and green animal women. Well, here's our green animal woman, and it's Vina. That's right. She's green, and she is dancing. She is dancing in a very uh, sort of random way. I don't know that there is a specific style that she's doing. There are definitely elements of belly dancing. Yeah, Um, and she has almost like – I couldn't tell, tell if they were looking like scales or leaves that were making part of her bottom like i couldn't tell how much of it was the alien creature versus how much of it was like an outfit she was wearing um but she's in wicked witch of the west green like the greeniest of green you can tell someone got a studio note and they were like like i don't know if i'm crying but they're like we gotta show this off in the color so we are gonna put all that color right on there and you'll be able to see it Oh, that's so interesting. You have a thought about the greening and the notes from the studio and stuff. Oh, do I? Oh, do you? Oh. Oh, do you? Well, here's our funny behind-the-scenes story about the Orion slave girl. So when they were first figuring out what to do with it, um, they had to do, of course, studio tests. And they weren't going to put our main actress in the green to see what happens. Majel Barrett did the body tests for that green. Okay. So, you know, she was, like, totally a willing subject. So they put all of the green tint on. They did, like, the test shot, sent it to the lab. It came back, and it just, like, wasn't green. Like, it was, like, kind of – she looked kind of sick, but, like, not green. So they put more green on her. They send it back. It comes back, and she's, like, a little more green. But it's just, like, where's the green? They put more green on her. Send it. And the lab calls, and they're, like – we keep trying to correct this weird green tint that's happening in your camera. What's going <laughs> on up there? <laughs> that is such that is such like an editor film processor response is to just assume that oh no, this person isn't meant to look green. We got to like clean that up. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. Uh, I have a second anecdote about the green. Uh, There is a comic book author um, who did a take on this. This was in Fantastic Four number 275, um, where She-Hulk is photographed topless sunbathing. And it was like sent to a magazine and she's of course horrified because uh someone took a nude fucking picture of her and sent it to a magazine yeah duh but when it comes out she's like all sad about it and her buddy uh the human torch is like don't you worry about it and he opens up the centerfold they corrected it to like human skin tone so no one knew that it was she hulk oh because that's the- the people who got the negatives were like wow what a weird picture and that's such a strange fuck up that the camera did (laughs) and uh yeah but i mean it's a little bit better but it's still her her boobs that are out there it is still her boobs it is still lack of consent and everything but yeah i just like i mean i like that that's the happy resolution it's like ah your nudes are still out there but they're anon they're anonymous. And then, of course, Johnny Storm is like, huh, I'm going to go pick up a pair of green print- printed sunglasses. Oh, you see, scamp. there it is. That you undercuts it. scamp. And 
the person it's john byrne is the writer mm-hmm. uh who who did this star trek take which i thought was funny because it's based on an outtake basically right after this she's dancing we zoom out to the main trial so that we can learn who this dancing green woman is that is an orion slave woman and no man can resist them thank you kirk for explaining that to us that yeah that's that's who they are so on set when they were filming this uh again with the green slave woman so on the day when they were actually filming the woman who played dina um she said that when she came onto set it was like there was a marked difference in how all of the men were treating her she felt like they were there it wasn't the normal just like oh hey like what's up you know like she had always been treated but that they were kind of like ooh, what if she is kind of a bad girl (laughs) Mm. she's like yeah it was uh pretty uncomfortable i guess something about that just awakens men's fantasies Mm. i was gonna say that was the day that uh (laughs) that was the day that the she-hulk fetish was built before it was a Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. they all you know what they all had crushes on the wicked witch on the wicked witch of the west and they just wanted to throw a bucket of water on her uh, (laughs) metaphorically speaking they just wanted to get her wet but it wasn't a bucket of water nope uh so some creep inside of the mirage that's like sitting at the table with pike first he goes like nice place you have here pike um implying that in this fantasy he owns this place and has hired this woman to perform and or owns this woman i just am so uncomfortable by the idea of orion slaves in like slave women in star trek and just in general Mm -hmm. Whoo. It it's because the it's because the the Federation and the Enterprise are presented as like morally high right. ground. Like they don't get everything right, but they're at least trying. At least it comes from a place of trying to be moralistic at all. And so then to have like the captain be a, you know a slave renter owner, whatever it is. I may have in, I may have inferred this, but I thought you know one of them's wearing like a Star Trek, a, a Starfleet outfit. I wondered if they were just like people he knew from Starfleet that they were projecting Possibly. into his brain. And so they would be like buddies of his. And that was why they were so cat, like how they were presented so casually as if, Oh, these are your friends. You know, like, would it be great if you impressed your friends with your mm-hmm. hot slave, you know, woman, yeah. like, like your job of the hut with a Twi'lek. Fun. Yay. This is great so pike does the right thing and gets the fuck up and walks away yeah like we get a lot of close-up shots of like his face like like as if he's gonna pass gas but like it's <laughs> to represent his discomfort with the whole situation um but he gets up he pike, walks pike is away. not reading uh, i can't remember the actor's name uh I was like, pike it's not reading pretend like you're holding in a fart Perfect. <laughs> that's it we got it we got it we got it um so he he turns up, he walks away, he turns around, there's just a wall of stone behind him. But Vina has followed him. So now they are both together in this sort of smaller area. She's all like, she's still green. Back on the Enterprise, uh, the crew are embarking on their third attempt to beam back down to the planet. Um, but as the transporter turns on, only the women 
are beamed down. That's right. Only number one in the yeoman. The rest of the party, including Mr. Spock, are stuck. And Spock exclaims, the women, as soon as he sees it happening. And that made me very happy. The women. (laughs) So suddenly in that chamber that they have, we're back in sort of the, it turns from that chamber to the cell that they're in. Mm -hmm. Number one and Yeoman Colt materialize next to Pike. Vina is fucking pissed. Oh my God. She throws down the torch. She stomps. She's let me finish. I almost had him. She was like, uh, she was like, we almost were about to do the nasty and you are mm-hmm. c- cock blocking me right now. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, she, it, her female desires, as a phrase we're soon going to hear, uh, yeah. were definitely off the chain in that moment. She was not happy. Off that chain. Uh, so immediately Pike's like, oh my God, you both have your phasers? Shoot the wall, shoot the wall. So they both are trying to shoot the transparency but they realize their phasers are completely out of charge. Um, they discard the weapons. They like throw them down and Pike starts trying to get himself pissed off. Good and pissed. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throttle you. And the yeoman's like, what the fuck's going on? And he's like, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna kill those guys. Grr, I'm mad at them. <laughs> and they've never probably seen him that angry. So yeah, it would be like one of those things like, whoa, what have they been doing to you down here? Vina is also shouting and being pissy. Just leave him alone. He's mine. He chose me. Like, you shouldn't get with him. You shouldn't meet with her. Like, to number one. It's like, you might as well cross him with a computer. Uh, uh, great insult. I was like, ouch. Ooh. Just then, the Telosian magistrate re-enters the chamber. Uh, he reveals that you know, since Pike is refusing to mate with Vina, as they would prefer, they've provided him with two more suitable options in the form of Yeoman Colt and number one. Uh, and he's like, well, they all have their pros and cons. Number one has had her own private fantasies about you and would create really intelligent children. Whereas the Yeoman has youth and beauty and strength on her side as well as unusually strong female drives. That was something I sent you as soon as it was said. I was like, oh, she horny as fuck. I got this. I couldn't believe it. It was so, I was, it was a way that, in a way, I was just surprised they got it past the censors because I feel like that, I mean, it was the pilot, but it feels like someone who would have been like, oh, we can't say female desires. That's too, everyone will know that means downstairs mix-up juice. Like, we can't do that. (laughs) Strong female drives. I love it. So he punishes them so they all know what it's like to be punished. And then the magistrate leaves and he's like, the three of you get some rest. Later, they're all kind of passed out in the cell. The magistrate comes out of the elevator and tries to sneak into the cell. He's reaching down to grab for those phasers they left on the ground. But Captain Pike wasn't asleep. Aha. He notices and jumps him, jumps the Telosian. 
pulls, I... pulls them through the little like because uh, it goes through the, the place yeah the, the place where they put the the goop and everything for them yeah. to eat and just gets like absolutely like pulled in as easy as pie and mm -hmm. it was just so funny to see the body of the magistrate just sort of go boom, out from underneath the grate <laughs> just pulled him right up there and uh puts his hands around his throat and it's just like i'm going to throttle you captain pike he's on top of the alien Zena's screaming don't hurt them they don't mean to be evil interesting mm -hmm. um, they don't mean to be evil the delusion changes into a terrible ape monster but pike is still like stop this illusion or i will break your neck like i know he holds on uh I will pop off your head or something like that. It was wild. So this illusion of the anthropod ape, um, that creature was actually shown as a captive in the Telosian menagerie in the original The Cage. Oh, There's a couple okay. of shots of other alien creatures that we get to see. I was wondering why they didn't do that. I was just mm -hmm. surprised that they talked about there being a menagerie, but we never got to see any other animals. Yeah. But for the sake of this, yeah, it, it wasn't necessary for the plot. So they're having to cut around it to get the, the court martial in there. Mm -hmm. um, so finally, the Telosian says, like, release me or I will destroy your ship. And Pike is like, look, I'm going to gamble that you're too intelligent to kill me for no reason at all and to kill these people for no reason at all. And in fact, I don't think there's anything wrong with the phasers that ended mm -hmm. up down here. And in fact, I think there's a fucking hole in that wall that you are preventing yes. us from seeing. Yes. And he, I was thinking from the start. I, sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to run. I, will th I was thinking from the start that the wall was an illusion. Mm -hmm. I thought that was going to be the reveal and that he's been banging on nothing the entire time. Mm -hmm. And he could have literally been like, if somehow he had just like stepped in through it or something like, oh, it's not even there. But the reveal uh, when there's is just a giant hole in it, I was like, oh, damn. Mm -hmm. it, they, they sort of did what I was thinking, but in the reverse way, when there is something there, they put yeah. something there. Yes, which is just great. And he's basically like, look, if you don't show me what is in front of the wall right now, we can all gamble here. I'm putting this phaser against your head and I'm going to pull mm -hmm. the trigger. We'll see how fucking not real it is. And so the, the Telosian emotion... takes the illusion off. Yeah, the emotions on the Telusian's face are so interesting. Like she is yeah. doing a lot of nonverbal yes. acting communication. Like it's it's not just standing there passively. Like her eyes oh, yeah. are widening and like you can see her like face kind of you know, uh, twitching and stuff like that. It's really, I love the yeah. the actress playing the, the the magistrate just simply because she did so well when she was just, you know, doing so little. And yeah, no, and she does a really great job. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find her name. But what she did say was that this was one of the strangest, like, characters she had ever played um, oh i can imagine she basically had to have all of these thoughts in her head and feel all of these things and so she like memorized the dialogue so that she would have it and they would like say it on set so that she could like react as though she were saying it but without mm -hmm. moving her mouth um meg wiley meg wiley yes meg wiley so she did a great job meg wiley an actress yes. 
had to imagine herself as an imaginary menagerie. Yes! Manager. <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, yes! And then I she's like, it. and what would I do if I were that imaginary menagerie manager? I didn't screw. Yeah. That, uh, again, and we have to mention, uh, just because it was a great fact that we pulled in the moment from it, the fact that she was in the original production of The Glass Menagerie yes. is just an incredible coincidence. Absolutely a beautiful wild. coincidence. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so the Keeper relents and reveals, that's right, those phasers were operational. There is a giant hole in the wall, uh, and they... He marches, he frog marches the Delosian right through it and up into mm-hmm. the elevator. The transmission abruptly ceases. Mr. Spock can't even understand why. He's like, I don't I don't know why they stopped. Commodore Mendez is like, look, we need to vote on this. I feel like we've seen enough. It appears yeah. the Telosians have deserted you. Spock is like, wait, this is a chance for life. Kirk is like, this is just an illusion. What kind of life is being in a cage? Spock says there's more to it. Watch, but nothing happens. Uh, And that's when, that's right. Get fucked, Spock. Uh, He gets, as you said, Missy. He gets two yeses and one boo. That sounds like a yes. He got a three good mend, or not three, a few good mend. Yeah, you got a few good men. You got men. a few good men. You got three <laughs> guilty verdicts. Oh, get fucked, Spock. <laughs> As the Enterprise reaches the Talos Star Group, the transmission suddenly picks up again. Yeah, it was funny. I do like the fact that they have the whole yeah. the bit of the court martial scene. Then they go back, and then it's like, well, what's going to happen now? Well, they're still controlling the ship, so we can't do anything. Hey, oh, look, oh, they're shooting look. more footage for us. So I <laughs> I didn't know why they did it because they needed to like heighten the tension of the drama. And actually, there oh, are yeah. we learned there are reasons this happened in the story. But I was assuming, oh, they just had to have some drama for commercial yeah. and then figure out how to resolve it. But this very quickly get yep. right back in the story. Like, oh, no, no, no. Lest you forget, this is called the menagerie. This is not called the court martial or the trial of uh, Mr. <laughs> Spock. So we're back on it. So with the magistrate under their control, they're in that lovely elevator up to the surface. Um, they pile into the elevator, and as they leave the elevator, the top of that mountain is indeed blasted off. Uh, they they totally got it earlier with that giant cannon. And as everyone leaves the elevator, it's like kind of a weird blue shot. Did you notice that, Missy? That for a shot, everything no, is like really heavily blue tinted. Uh, and as they walk down that hill, I didn't notice. Well, I noticed it, and it and it turns out that uh, our wonderful cinematographer Finnerman shared. I had a lot to learn, and believe me, I learned every day. When we filmed our part two menagerie uh, episode, I shot a whole day of progress uh, scenes used as flashbacks. I shot it without putting the correction filter on the arc for the projection machine. And when I looked at it, it seemed a little cold. I couldn't figure it out. What I hadn't done was put the yellow carbon to the arc to correct for the Kelvin because they were colorizing all of that footage. So when he did it, he fucked up. The next day I went to dailies and we were looking at the flashbacks based on the original pilot. All the people were normally lit. 
but the pilot was absolutely blue. I am sitting there shuddering and thinking, well, that this is the last day of my three-year contract. Uh, Finnerman recalls, however, that Roddenberry turned to him at that moment and asked how he got such a marvelous effect. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. He said, I didn't want to go into details. Sometimes you can look like a fool, but they think you're a kind of a genius. (laughs) I was just going to say... He, what was genius in that moment? The true genius is him shutting yep. the fuck up and not saying yep. anything and being like, yes. "Yes, that's exactly what yep. I meant to do, Gene. Thank you for noticing <laughs> that three-year contract is doing going to pay you in dividends." <laughs> and then you go to the bar and be like, "Oh my god, I thought yep. I was going to be fired, but then my boss he didn't know any different because he was too busy auditioning actresses <laughs> for for the Alien Woman." You know, not. Probably true. So this is the same one who, uh, the same guy who had to like pause every little bit to go puke in the bathroom because he was like so nervous. It was like his first big job. He is also responsible for uh, why the lighting in Star Trek looks like a movie. It's cinema, not just that bright, you know, sitcom lighting, which is what people typically do. And that's what he was hired for. And it was why he was so terrified because that's a big fucking job um yeah it is do you know what's funny as you said that i was thinking to myself how star trek looked a lot uh, i've always thought star trek looked like stuff from the Mm -hmm. 60s but specifically it does look like the Mm -hmm. films of the 60s it doesn't look like tv at that time i've never put together that part of that is truly Mm -hmm. the lighting of it because i've always thought of this as like looking as an analog to like forbidden forbidden planet uh, the movie uh with um lizzie nielsen and robbie the robot and don't remember any of the other actual cast um but yeah so that suddenly makes sense to me that's Mm -hmm. a great observation they did a lot of really interesting stuff and i found a really awesome um article which is just on in american cinematographer which is just a big, long, like, uh, discussion with him about his lighting. So I'm definitely going to be pulling in some more facts as I get them from this article with this guy. There's a lot of it that was about the camera and about a lot of technical specifics that I was just like, I'm Mm going to read this later and cut out the part that I know I need for this episode. I mean, I went to college for broadcasting, but I swear the technical mm-hmm. aspects of like camera works and stuff, it's like, okay, I get it, but also I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just wonderful. Um, he's also the one who came up with the idea of making the color of the planet, like the lighting of the sky and stuff on the planet relate to the emotion we're supposed to feel on that world. Um, yeah, that oh, was him. Oh, interesting. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. That oh, I'm gonna have to really pay yeah. attention because I mean, obviously, like we've been on ice planets and desert worlds, and those sort of reflect reflect some of the stakes. But the, wow, I'm gonna have to pay mm-hmm. a lot more attention to the lighting. So, like of the using show. cold colors to like be like very icy and like threatening versus yeah. warm tones for love stories and like those kinds of mm-hmm. emotions. Um, So, yeah, I'm really, really excited. He got an $800 a week uh, for doing this and probably deserved a lot more, you know? 
but they got a guy who was mm-hmm. like at the beginning of his career you know this was like one of his first he was 32 years old and it was one of his first sort of solo jobs as like head cinematographer not like you know someone's assistant um despite the fact that he had been you know the assistant to a lot of prolific uh creators um on movies and stuff so that's that's part of why they got him um so eight hundred dollars around that time would be worth seven thousand five hundred dollars today that's I want like that. a pretty darn good i deal would really like be, that also for a but for a big yeah. job like you know to be yeah. to be like the head of lights for a uh 29 yeah. episode like series you know season one that's you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure and you have to get a lot of things mm-hmm. right because they do not want to be again correcting stuff because of your mistakes because gene will, will will notice once and say it's great but yeah. if it happens all the time he's gonna be like hey why do you keep uh what's what's the screwy louis louis do Dewey stuff going yeah, on here what's going on here yeah so good on him and honestly i think that that is part of why this show uh, has what it has, has had the cultural import it has and why it held up because you can look at it and it still looks great. You know? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't look like garbage. Um, So where are we? That's right. We're with Captain Pike and the Talosian keeper as well as the yeoman number one and Vina. We are on the surface of the planet and the Telosian is saying like, look, what we want for you is we want humans to live on the surface of this planet. We will set everything up for you. Like this is what is going to preserve our species. You're the only one smart enough, capable enough, adaptable enough to do this for us and hopefully relearn how to use our shitty machines. Um, But then number one just sets her phaser to overload being basically like it's wrong to create a group of humans to be slaves and she and pike and the yeoman all stand together with her agreeing that they would rather die than be the adam and eves to a population of slaves to like do this horrible thing for the telosians um but then the other Telosians come to the surface and Pike tells number one, like, hey, pause. So she turns it off. The magistrate says, we had not believed this possible. Your people prefer death to captivity. We had not realized yeah. that your species would react this strongly to the idea of captivity. Like straight up being like, like, we didn't get it. Like, we didn't know that humans gave that much of a shit. And it's like, yeah, we fucking do. But then again, I mean, cats won't do that. That's true. But I love her reaction. Well, there's two things I love about the scene. One is that when the two are coming up, they make a note of being like, well, it took us a long time to basically like decipher that (laughs) primitive data, but it was all there. And then they just like beam it to her head, just like boom. And she's like, oh my God, you all are psycho shits. We can't breed you. That would be terrible. No. And then just like Mm -hmm. drops them like it's hot. Jess is, they're over the humans and they're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're good. Like, so we're free to go. You're too violent of a species to be used for our needs. Uh, Go back to your ship. You're free. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're flabbergasted. Pike is like, that's 
it? Like, you're just sending me fucking home? Yeah, they're like, no, 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 this story can't be this anticlimactic. Yeah, and they're like, I mean, we're all gonna die, so does that make you happy, Mike? Like, you couldn't be used for this purpose. We're all going to die. Like, we didn't want that either. But, you know. And Pike's like, what about trade? Like, there's got to be other options for bringing your species back than just creating a species to be enslaved and not know the truth of their existence. Um, But they say, you can't. Your race would learn our power of illusion and destroy itself as well. And that's that theme, that it's a narcotic. Um, he asked Vina to come too. Pike is like, well, Vina, come with us. But she says no. Mm. Back on the ship, Yeoman and number one are beamed back up by the Telosians. But back on the surface, Pike learns that Vina, she is an actual human being, not another illusion. But she is the one true survivor of the crash of the SS Columbia. She is considerably older. She was not born there. She's 18 years older. You know, it's been that long since that they crashed, which was something that number one mentioned in the cell. Yeah. She was basically like, you're old, though. Um. And I had forgotten that their original mission was because uh, mm-hmm. I I don't think I realized it was a as a Federation ship that had crashed. I just knew they were like human. Mm-hmm. They're looking for human survivors on the surface of it. Yeah. So now I understand why he knew so much information about like oh we know your logs or whatever and the mm-hmm. stuff that happened. You know. So they knew in the logs there was no log of anyone being pregnant on the ship, but there was a record of one adult female crew member who one would assume could have been Vina's mother uh, because they're saying that Vina was born 18 years ago on this planet. Um, But it was Vina. And we see her as it goes, like as it dissolves frame by frame, they show her she's old and disfigured and strange her arms in a weird place she has like lumps on her face lumps on her face the telosians found her little more than a lump of flesh and they rebuilt her but they had never seen a human being and so they didn't know how she was supposed to look for this shot it took them all fucking day and they built a harness that would hold her head steady, which is why she's standing so strange. Mm-hmm. And they would shoot 15 seconds of frame and then get her out of the whole apparatus, go back, and they'd put more makeup on her. And then she went back in the fucking apparatus. And it took all fucking day under those hot lights. She was told this was going to be an easy shoot. I mean, you know, it's easy for you. All you got to do is just get makeup on and stand there. Get makeup on and stand there. Like that's <laughs> it. We're doing the hard work of making you look good when you look uglier and uglier. Yep. So Pike is like, please. She's like, don't you understand? I can't go with you. I am. I am. My body is beat up to the point where it's more comfortable. It's better to live here for me. Mm-hmm. And Pike's like, give her back her beauty. Like, give her back her illusion. Give her what she wants. And the delusions are like, of course. And that's where we see, again, like, she understands them in a yeah. way that they don't themselves. She always said they don't mean to be evil. 
They don't want anyone to have a bad time. They don't want to keep a species there that doesn't want to be there. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole mistake is that they thought they were being benevolent, putting them in captivity and, and giving them everything they wanted, even though it was just an illusion because they forgot themselves. Oh, that's right. We're the ones addicted to illusions. You all have a reality and like, oh, we forgot. So here's something interesting. They're humanoid. They didn't see humanoid parts and think, oh, she should look humanoid. Yeah. I well, was... <laughs> ha ha ho. According to uh, writer David Mack for Tor.com, uh, he thinks that this line is a holdover from the story's original unfilmable concept that the Talosians were giant crab-like beings. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that's okay. where he thinks that line came from. Because originally they were supposed to be giant terrifying crabs and like not look human at all. Uh, I assumed that uh, my assumption was is that even though they're humanoids and I thought there were moments yeah, I thought they, they could have been. necessarily know. There's lots yeah, of well, different types of human like beings. Well, and also they've evolved to form and they've, they've forgotten so much about their past already. Even if they were like literally humans at some point and had evolved mm-hmm. to this, they might have just forgotten them hum- their human selves so much that they literally are like, oh, we got to make a human. We know what those are like. Oh wait, no, we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, I yeah, think that this goes here and there. That, that seems right, right? This was the, this was the moment where I sent the note that um, they couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together yes. again, which I also realized on the face of it is a very mean name for someone yeah. who has a hump and looks dumpy. And I'm like, I didn't mean it like that. I, I literally just meant because they couldn't put her back together again. That's all. I'm like, oh no, now I'm big sad. <laughs> Poor Vina. Poor Vina. Poor Vina. So Pike is returned to the Enterprise. It's all blue again. Pike and the others, uh, they return and they resume their course to the Vega colony. Pike says engage to get them to go, which is what uh, uh, Patrick Stewart says as captain. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's like where he got that and or it just seemed right to him probably because of that, whether or not he like would say like, oh, I studied Pike. But yeah, so he goes, engage. That's um, true. What, what is, does Captain Kirk say Sulu Warp 1? Is that what he tells He him? doesn't, yeah, he, he doesn't really have a specific one. He's usually just like okay. Helm, like Warp whatever to blank or like. Yeah. Let, let, let's go warp whatever. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go. <laughs> Boom. Let's go. Chris Pine, as Captain Kirk would say, let's go. <laughs> so the transmission concludes, but as Kirk gets up, he sees Commodore Mendez disappear right before his eyes. I was fucking blown away. Literally yep. could never have seen that coming. I thought Pike was going to have something more to do with it. I thought, well, there was some reason for a mistrial. Like, obviously, they're not having him be guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, never in mm-hmm. in a hundred thousands of years of creating illusions would I have ever perceived that level of trickery. Right. The image on this on this screen turns to the keeper who confesses that the Commodore's presence aboard was all an illusion. She looks so pleased with herself too. Well, the, she she, really he, did. Yes, but either way, they, it just is like they. the smile is so it's like, aha, uh-huh, I got you. Um Spock, 
They go, Spock has related to us your sense of will. <laughs> he thought that the illusion of a court-martial would prevent you from too soon regaining control of the Enterprise. It, it's just like, oh, the fact that Spock was working with the Talosians on the, the entire stalling tactic yeah. is just like the level of <laughs> layers of Spock's scheme Right? It's incredible. Like we, you I was think already... like, oh, the scheme is all to trick Starfleet. No, it's all just to trick Kirk. Like Kirk, literally just Kirk. Because <laughs> especially we find out, we hear in a moment, uh, Mendez calls yeah. in and says, hey, we got that same message from the Talosians. Yeah. We got their signal. We are temporarily suspending... Mm-hmm the rule basically we're 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 suspending the rules of all stars for a moment and uh they were letting uh letting them go letting them do what they yeah letting them interact with the planet and be near the planet without consequence essentially and and letting spot go as you were saying yes pretty much um the keeper is just like captain pike you are welcome to spend the remainder of your days here we will give you an illusion of a body and you can live unfettered by your physical body with Fina. Um, they then broadcast, they say that, yeah, they broadcast the same commi- uh, thing to Commodore Mendez. Kirk is like, Spock, why didn't you tell me you didn't have to do all of this? But Spock was like, and ask you to face the death penalty as well. No, I am. That Mr. being Spock. the twist. That being the entire yeah. reason he set it up was that he knew that Kirk would go with it, yes. but he 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 could he, he felt yeah. it was not moral to put Captain Kirk at risk of breaking yes. it, and that's the this entire charade has been for Pike, but also just for that that yep. reason, like that's the just nugget. To protect I Kirk. loved it. God loved it. Yep, we learn. Yeah, we learn through Uhura that they are like look and uh, rules don't count right now um kirk asks asks pike if this is what he truly wants and pike says yes well he doesn't ask pike he says Mm. chris oh you're right is this what you want and which i thought was real like that hit me this was not this was not officer to officer this was yes friend to friend i really liked that Yes, yes. He says, Chris, is this what you really want? And he says, beep. Beep. And he has Spock bring him to the transporter room. And as he walks out, Kirk says, Mr. Spock, like, we're going to have to have a talk because you've been showing a lot of emotionalism lately. (laughs) Spock says, excuse me, sir, you do not have to insult me. (laughs) I have been perfectly logical about this whole affair. And he has. And that made me think again about there's a difference between compassion and logic and emotionalism. Like Spock mm-hmm. doesn't have emotionalism. He has a ton of compassion. Like yes. he it has is logical so much to compassion. be compassionate. Yeah. He has compassion for, for Pike, his former captain. He has compassion for his current captain. And he's perfectly logical logical about how he sets up how he's going to deal with that. <laughs> as emotional the as The one it question is. I had, yeah, the one question I had, and I know we're toward the very, very end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if this was mentioned. Was the idea 
was it Spock's idea to, did he present the idea to Captain Pike and say, hey, why don't we take you back? Or was it Pike's idea and Spock was working with him on it? Because because Pike is like, no, 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 yeah. to begin with. So I think that's it's implied the part that... that it's Spock's idea. Yeah, okay. I think that's it's what implied I that too. it's Spock's idea and that Spock is the one who reached out to the Telosians. Well, and that way too, Spock is the only one who risks the death penalty. Yeah. Because Pike isn't yeah. the one that asked for it, you know, he's doing yeah. it of his own volition. Exactly. Which also um, lets Pike then be on the um, yeah. on the court martial to be able to yes. be a part of it. Yeah. So, as they leave, uh, the voice of the keeper comes back over the monitor, and they smile and says, "Captain Pike has an illusion, and you have reality. May oh. you find your way as pleasant." And it shows Pike down on the planet, now in his handsome form, running off with Vina. That was actually from, that was shot in the original one, because in the original ending for the cage, he asks, and Vina agrees, that she wants the illusion that Pike chose to stay with her. So that she could have a companion. Like, as you know, it's illusionary, but so that she can have a, a human companion but now that planet. he's in her memory they can create that illusion of it yeah i was absolutely gonna ask because i clocked that's new footage that's not recycled yeah. footage that they made look like oh okay different context they're together i'm like no he's literally going at the end and they're all there and it's this is yeah. from the final they're like smiling the final as shot. they go down to the like menagerie <laughs> yeah yeah so i was gonna be like does it end with pike like this i had two thoughts i'm like does he stay with them i'm like no 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 Wait, does he have a one-night stand with her? Like, is that like, what? I'm like, what? What's happening here? He's like, no, like, I'll put like, a baby in her and then I'm going to go. Literally, all my, they're, they're like, well, will you give us a baby? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, that I can do. But put the illusion back on first. <laughs> Send the ladies back up on the ship. I'll that uh, makes, take care of that this makes real quick. <laughs> much more sense that, that she still has uh, her happy ending. And I wonder, I, I wonder if the line of you have your reality or we have your we have the captain pike has an illusion and you have your reality may you find your way as pleasant was that an adaptation from something in the original script or or like the the cage or is that a line added for i just really like that line i'm assuming it's added because the original thesis of the cage is that it's bad to live in an illusion yeah like that's sort of the whole thesis of it but of course that has to change because it's good for pike to live in this illusion no one could say oh that person should just exist being able to beep for communication like no one and as a person with disabilities like come on someone's giving you a brand new body free of pain all this great stuff like it it is good for Mm -hmm. many humans and that should be an option but that's the thing is that 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 because of the different circumstances, the thesis is we're all choosing our own way. Yeah, it's oh, of weird. course not as fully strong because it had to be sort of added in. But but I think it's still like the broad message goes because because Kirk is they're basically also saying like there there's the send off message is one of enjoy your reality. 
So yeah. I, I think I think it slightly undercuts it for the plot, but not especially not the overall story enough for it oh, to be yeah. like completely 180s on it. But yeah, that is mm-hmm. that's the only that's the only like undercutting of it. But it's also undercutting it, yeah, as you said, for a happy ending. Now I had a question here that just popped up, which is mm-hmm. gonna absolutely <laughs> undercut the the nice emotional impact of the ending. If they put her back together again, like did they put all of her insides back together again right so like they wanted to breed her like is that even possible did they get that part right but the rest of it wrong like apparently i don't I know i just realized because they yeah, she says that's everything works it's just oh in the that wrong is true spot. that so is true maybe they put like i'm the, by the way that she's sort of standing i'm like did they put her internal organs in the wrong spot you know, I was, yeah, I was like wondering maybe that they too. put it's her like, bones together weird, so it's like, and it—that sort of yeah. I imagined as you were alluding to just now, like, oh, like the spleen slightly in the wrong place, or like, well, they put the stomach up here, and but it can still, you know, it's up here in your uh, by your uh, by your heart at the same level, but the food can still get processed through all there, and that's fine and everything. Like, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And like we but have yeah. this protein goo, like you know, <laughs> I guess it's probably an interaction between the environment they have her in as well as whatever oh, they did I to her. Li- but yeah, I could live my illusion of eating pizza every day, unlike oh the reality of eating pizza every day. Right, right. So Missy, would you choose to live in reality or? go into uh, a Telosian menagerie? Um, that's a very interesting question. Uh, it probably would be... Here's... So here's... Okay. So here's actually a real honest answer. This is going to be a really interesting mm-hmm. thing. And I think this is something that um i'll say we might get into more heavier top like personal topics that i'm totally fine talking about but uh listeners just be warned like I'm, i am gonna go there for a second so if this starts getting uncomfortable you can skip ahead but so with my body dysmorphia that's a very interesting question to ask me yeah because there's the image of me that i have in my head of what i could be what i think i look like versus the me in the mirror and that sort of disconnect is there. And I've always had struggles being in my body. Like just having a body is very uncomfortable to me. I know obviously reasons now why, you know, later on in life, why that's part of the reason of it. So there is a large amount of appeal. And I will not lie to being able to have my my brain be the main part that I'm using because that's what I feel like the main part of what I'm using is. And the fact that I, I just feel sometimes like I'm neglecting my body. I am now in a much better place where now that I'm on estrogen, like my body and my brain are talking all the time and it's saying good things and, and doing better things. So I think now I'm 50, 50 in that place where maybe I would have been like 70, 30. Had we like literally recorded this episode a year ago, you know what I mean? I would have much more said probably the illusion. Like, I think that would be something that would just appeal to me more, but like, yeah, I'm now in that spot where, I, I genuinely don't know. There's there's parts of it both that would appeal to me. But I think I would choose reality because 
mostly the things that I would want to be illusions are the people that I already know and love anyways. And so I'd rather be there for them than be inside for me. So yeah, now I'm just trying to make my illusions reality versus trying to live in the illusion. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I feel I feel really similar. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the idea of living in a body that can do all the things I can't do right now. But then those things wouldn't be in the world. Yeah. And I, I also, I, I'm not diagnosed, so I, and I don't like people mentally diagnosing themselves with stuff, but this is from observations for me and my husband. But I also most likely suffer from dyspraxia. So it is hard for me to interact with the physical world. Like I have to take more brain power mm -hmm. to like figure things out. It just doesn't come easily to me. Um, and that's partly because like I don't- so dyspraxia is almost like physical dyslexia, where it takes oh, okay. your body, diff it, whatever parts of it. And this is why I'm not trying to say that I'm diagnosing myself with it. It just, yeah. I have things that feel, feel very, very similar to what is described mm -hmm. being. Um, but it's where you're kind of just shit with like interacting with stuff. For me, it's okay. because I have a hard time picturing things when I'm not looking at them and I have a hard time making things 3D in my head. So like, for instance, if I was like, okay, you, you show me a car, I can like conceptually understand the car, how a car works and get everything out of it. I can look at an engine. I can see where everything's put together. So the car's in front of me. I can tell where everything is. But then if you say, hey, here's a wrench. Can you get underneath the car and then just go, go get that bolt that you can see right here. The moment I'm under the car and I can't see it, it's as if I have no conception of where it was because all I can picture in the moment is what I'm looking at in front of me and I have to like close my eyes and really hard mental image think of it but then my hands don't know what that means from underneath and it's just like I have to use my fingertips to kind of see when I'm in situations yeah. like that and so it's a very interesting thing where because of that sort of disconnect in there that also contributes to it and again why I use a lot of my brain power is because mm -hmm. that's just where things naturally are easier to me. It is just an easy yeah. ease of use thing in the end for it. And why, you know, why I can be so smart in some areas and so absolutely shit, you know, at doing like anything that requires a skill. Um, uh, but yeah, so it, it that's, that definitely, that and that theme of it. And I think that's why that line of you go enjoy your reality, you know, instead of illusion mm -hmm. it hits the way that it did. It's because that's something that I'm just living in right now. Yeah. But I think that's cool. And I think it's cool to acknowledge yeah. that struggle, you know, and oh, uh, yeah. especially talking about it because I know there are other people who struggle like me with this and it's much more easier to be open and talk about it, much like the way that Pike and I always forget her name, who was the person he was with, um, the other prisoner. Vina. Vina. Much of the way how Pike and Vina are talking about their feelings and illusions interacting with each other and they help each other like coping with this, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that I think didn't expect that theme to come in, you know, to the second half of this. But yes, I I, I have got to, you know, get to it right now. My God, the Menagerie part one and two are the toppiest of yes. top tier episodes Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. Like top of the stack. I I, I I am gonna be stripping the layers of this from both parts of it together 
and just peeling back all of the the different meanings and things of it for a while now. You know, I've I've definitely taken away a lot from these, and a lot of the episodes I like are because of the entertainment value and also just interesting, you know, questions and stuff. But none of them have hit on this level and and this part of it you know even in ways i didn't really realize it until we're talking about it you know right now mm-hmm. but yeah i i absolutely loved this this two-parter and uh and also just for its creative way of being able to incorporate the unaired pilot into there yes. like just that that achievement alone of mm-hmm. making it make sense and giving us a really thrilling like shell for it like the trial was like again this, the first part I, I was losing my mind over what spock was doing and like trying to figure it out you know just to have to have this also be that reveal built into it as well that it's not just one story it's the resolution to both stories was so well done that i yes i really really appreciated this yeah this one is absolutely fantastic it is renowned it won a hugo award uh and yeah it's remembered these two episodes are remembered as some of the most beloved of all of Star Trek. and makes sense to bring it back why futurama would reference this episode so much because it probably just lived in the writer's consciousness and they were like oh Mm -hmm. let's do a tribute to this this episode more you know mostly overall because like it's the one that everyone will remember yep Yep, absolutely iconic. Um, and yeah, it's something I really love. It it bangs around your head in a really special way, in a way that a lot of Twilight Zone episodes do, but not all Star Trek episodes mm-hmm. do. Yes, you know what? That is very true. It, it, it has the impact of some of the, the Twilight Zones that have affected me most as well. Um, anything to do with the mind, yeah. You're going to get me. That dagger of the mind coming back. And also, dagger of the mind, our next episode <gasps> is I'm so excited! The, one, the Conscious yes! of the King. What you thought the, the Shakespeare quote was. But now we are yes. to the, I believe, quote from Hamlet Act 2. Yes, I fucking love this episode. I am so, so excited for us to watch this episode. Um, I... It absolutely has iconic things. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, is it actually something iconic that like everyone remembers as like a framework in the future? Or is it just because I love it so much and have always loved oh. it that I'm like, they're doing Conscience of okay. the King with the Star Trek one. So and and uh, I'm so excited to hear what you yeah. think of it. Because we usually align, but there are some things and it's especially with ones that are a little more like, a lot of these episodes, they'll just scratch a certain itch in terms of comedy or in terms okay. of framework or in terms of subject matter, like for each of us. And so I'm so curious if this scratches an itch for you the way that it yeah. absolutely does for me. I'm going to do the thing that we we always or I always love to do, which is try and guess the next, yes. uh, the next episode. Yes. I think this is going to be... Fairly literal, as much metaphorical. I think we are gonna have a okay. king, and we're gonna be talking about his conscious. I okay. think we're gonna talk. I think we're literally gonna be approaching much. I mean, much like Hamlet is. It's it's a direct quote. You know, it's is talking about the it's conscious about of the king, king in reference to um, the murder of uh, his father. 
so that his uncle could, you know, marry his his mom. And that's Hamlet, who I believe is talking about the conscience of the king trying to mm-hmm. set up about his play his within the play. Da, 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 da. I don't like a lot of I like don't him. like a lot of Shakespeare. I love Hamlet and I Fucking love Twelfth love Night. Those are my two oh. ones that I, uh, that I love. And everything else, I'm just sort of like, eh. Just the drag gore fest of Macbeth. Macbeth. You don't want like uh, seeing a sad man be sad and then sadder and sadder and sadder. You don't like Bojack Horseman. I will say, <laughs> I did see a very good production of it on the the first thing my husband did. Okay, second thing my husband did after we got married was we first thing is we went to lunch with the people who did the ceremony with us, uh, guerrilla style, because we eloped. And the second thing we did was go to a local production of Macbeth, um, you know, which was, I think, the full last production. It was pretty long, you know, three hours or whatever. Um, and then uh, Alex, my husband, revealed to me later that he hates Macbeth. And I was like, well, why did you <gasps> tell me this? We didn't have to go. He's like, like, well, you know, you people you knew Juno. were in it, you know. Oh. And I, I knew people oh, in it, and my my college professor directed it, and so I. Oh, it, that's it was one of those things. Yeah, he didn't want to like drag me from it, but I was also like, yeah, but I would have maybe like planned a different day, you know, some, you know, oh. I, I would have made it work. But yeah, it just made me laugh that uh, I'm like, oh, he really does love me if he was willing to sit through three yeah. hours of that right, right after we we literally like did our vows and everything. Like it's so funny. Oh my god, that's so cute. Also, never get eloped when theater people involved in your ceremony because you're going to get basically your secret is going to get right away and every single theater person was messaging me we went to the show and there are people in the audience who turned like good friends of mine and they were like oh my god i'm like yes yes you know like but they had already gotten the message i'm like how quickly is this spreading here like oh this is like literally seeing in real time a pathogen being spread but it's love for alex and i hooray i guess but secrets out i love it um i look forward to this next episode i forward to it i think my only struggle is is that i hope i hope i can appreciate it as much because i'm coming off of such a high high you know that's that's the only worry i have is that i'm gonna be so hyped for the menagerie (laughs) that oh is this gonna be like not hit as well but i think you know a good a good uh uh shakespearean quote in the title lends itself to a good setup so i'm very oh excited. and there is so much theater theater, theater <gasps> oh theater. oh my god there is oh thank There's you for that spoiler so i'm even now theater. more excited for it much theater, like the theater. I, I believe this should be lighting up uh, with our release much like the <laughs> studio 60 episodes i watched and how much of a theater boy that Sorkin is yes. and how I unlocked that show as not being a show about TV. It's a show about theater. 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 It's a show for theater kids like me, which is why I fucking love that show. Spoiler, if you haven't gotten to the Not a Hate Watch episode, I'm all in on Studio 60. It's great. Hell yes. Uh, well, thank Studio you so 60, much, Star Missy. Oh. Thank you so much, Emily. <laughs> I really... Oh... This has been such a joy, and also, uh, frankly, it's just, I, I am so glad that you ha- have helped cur- harvest a space here where I feel open to talk about oh not God. just the silly, fun things of Star Trek, but also, like, how it can really relate to us. And and that's what, uh, it's so stereotypical, because every once in a while, I hear this, and, like, I want to roll my eyes, that's the cynical part of me, which, there's a very little cynical grain in, in me. <laughs> Uh, that it does exist but it's like the oh when like art can really hit you and stuff i'm like well yeah like that's what art's supposed to do you know what i mean and i'm sort of like a bit like 
oh okay but like this this was like oh yes it reminds me what good art but also good sci-fi what yes. really good science fiction yes. can do like right? not about explosions yeah. or special effects or any like literally the lowest uh, like the highest budget of there but to us the lowest the budget of effects still yeah. doesn't matter because the story is so good and the acting exactly. is is so on point yeah mm-hmm. and acting exactly. next week the theater yeah! the theater what happened the to the theater, theater. we put it what into happens? space what and happens I can, with the theater we can finally say Live long and prosper. And I can imagine an imaginary menagerie mirage manager managing an imaginary mirage menagerie.